The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. You know, parenthood is great. We love our kids. We want the best for them, but we shouldn't have to martyr or sacrifice ourselves to achieve that. In fact, societies and communities as a whole benefit from parents who are present, who are healthy, energized, and can be there for their kids rather than being exhausted and burnt out. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 340. Today, we're talking about why self-care is not enough with Roya Loy. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Hey, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. This is an awesome episode, but listen, before we dive in, if you haven't done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've ever gotten any value from this podcast, please do me a favor and go over to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more. It takes 30 seconds and it really makes a big difference. And I greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to be talking to Roya Loy. She's a doula, web designer, creator of Insider Mom, a resource for uplifting tips and information needed for modern moms. And we're going to have a conversation about why self-care isn't enough and what we can do, what parents can do to get the support we need. We're going to talk about three things to do before hiring any care provider or sitter, the power of releasing expectations, and so much more. And I feel like this is such an important conversation. I've been reading a book for another podcast guest coming up and just reiterated that fact that human beings, you know, when human babies are born, unlike any other species and unlike any other primate species, we are so immature, right? Like our babies are (laughs) these little blobs, (laughs) you know, their muscles are limp and all of these things. And they need so much, right? They need so many, so many calories, so much support. They need so much before they're in any way at all self-sufficient. And it's interesting to think like, how did we evolve that way, right? Because a mom can only do so much, right? Like we have to also find our own food and, and all of those things. So the reason why we evolved this way is because We evolved in cooperation with each other, with many people. In the podcast with David Lancey, we talk about alloparents, right? Like other parents, people who are around supporting the growth of this baby and child because our kids need so much support. So we're gonna talk about this, it's so, so powerful. While we can't hold your baby for you, the 36 hours a year of live coaching in the Mindful Parenting membership do provide an incredible amount of support. Check out what husband and wife Daniel and Katrin had to say about the Mindful Parenting live coaching sessions. Yeah, that, that has been great and we've been really surprised uh, <laughs> uh, that there aren't even more people in those in those calls. It really helps to see that uh, you're not alone with your problems and other people have similar problems and even if They have different problems. Uh, It's nice to see that the tools work for them. And it's always interesting to get tips on on which 
tools to use in, in, in which situation. Like you said, you learn from other people's problems, but you also get so often get a chance to bring up your own issues that came up in the days or weeks before the call. So it's really good to have some feedback or some input on how to handle things. You actually get a personalized recommendation how it applies to your specific situation and not some abstract scenario. To learn more about the Mindful Parenting membership and get on the wait list because we only open our doors a few times a year, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. And when you do, I'll send you a bunch of free resources and we'll let you know when the doors open. Okay, on to this episode. I'm excited to talk to you because, you know, I talk about self-care a lot. You know, self-care, I say, is our responsibility, right? It's not selfish, it's our responsibility in a lot of ways because we have to, we have to take care of ourselves to show up for our kids. And you're, you know, you're a doula, a mom, web designer, among other things that you say that self-care isn't enough. So tell me about what you mean when you say self-care isn't enough. Yeah. So in my work as a doula, I've supported a lot of moms, like physically and emotionally, and we, we have the power to birth, you know, ourselves if we wanted to, but it's not the same as having a support system or a support network or somebody there helping you and actually being present with you so that you can help yourself calm down, you know, focus on your inner body and really come to a state of feeling safe and feeling relaxed and calm. So when I say self-care isn't enough, I think so much of what the media says, so much of what society says is that like, okay, this is just a band-aid. Go ahead and practice self-care. Go take a bubble bath. Um, go light a couple of candles or, you know, drink more water, which is, these are all great things, but it's really not enough with the stress and burnout that a lot of moms face. And especially during this pandemic, which we've, you know, had to deal with a lot of stuff, you know, school closures, stress, you know, related to work or family life. I think, you know, just saying that just practice self-care, it's, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. So what can we do? Like there are several things we can do is we can actually reach out and ask for help. And what I mean by that is not just saying, you know, oh, I need, you know, a, a cup of tea or I need this or that those can be helpful too, but actually setting up a support system knowing that, okay, this is not working. Maybe I need support with childcare here. Maybe I can ask my partner, you know, even if it's on the weekends, I understand like our partners might be working during the week. Maybe there are some hours on the weekend that we can really have time to focus on ourselves, like actually having community care there, not just self-care, I think is really, really crucial. I think you're pointing to such an important thing in that, that at least in the United States, it's such an individualist society. It's, and it's so influential all around the world, this way of thinking that, that we just like, there's this, there's this pressure to just solve every problem on your own. And, and, you know, even like when, and, and there's, even when it comes to things like uh, large systemic problems, you know, we were told for years with climate change, like recycle and like get some solar panels and do these individual acts on your own when that's a, a BS answer because it really takes big systemic change on the governmental level to be able to address like the problem we have. And there, there are other problems like that in the world, right? That where, where we need to think collectively and we have to have a collective answer to some of the problems. And what you're pointing to is like, you know, we, we put, we absorb this mindset, you know, of individualism and we come to parenting, we come to birth, we come to parenting and we start to think, oh, I just need to, you know, so for some reason, like we're a little more into it with birth, right? Like we're like, okay, yeah, I might need like a team of people because the physics of it maybe, <laughs> but, uh, totally. but, but then when it comes to like parenting, which is in a lot of ways, you know, the challenges are 
very great in a lot of ways. And, and we come to this situation, we think, oh, I'm just supposed to sort of do it all on my own, you know, that we have also observed that kind of mommy martyr experience, right. And, and that, that isn't the, this is like a not helpful mindset. Like this is something we've got to like look at and examine and toss it in the garbage, this idea. Absolutely. And you bring up a really valid point on it being a collective community wide thing that needs to be, you know, tackled even on a government federal level, because for example, like I live in actually Canada. So here I've noticed, and I've lived in the States as well too. And I've noticed that maternity leave policies are drastically different. Like some women don't get very much maternity leave, if anything at all, after giving birth and are called back to work in the States. That's not the case here. Women here get up to 18 months of maternity leave and much of that is paid. So I think really trying to rethink these things and figuring out what countries are doing what, who's supporting moms, who's supporting women, and how can we learn from them and demanding more from our communities, demanding more from, you know, people in power who can create this sort of change, because there's a lot of unpaid labor that goes into, you know, motherhood that goes into parenthood. And yes, it's wonderful. You know, parenthood is great. We love our kids. We want the best for them, but we shouldn't have to martyr or sacrifice ourselves to achieve that. In fact, Societies and communities as a whole benefit from parents who are present, who are healthy, energized, and can be there for their kids rather than being exhausted and burnt out. And it's just not sustainable. Yeah, I completely agree. I have a friend who lives in the Netherlands. She's from the U.S. and she lives in the Netherlands. And man, she pays a ridiculous amount of money for a chicken but she gets so many benefits. It's amazing. She, she had like totally free childcare from like, as soon as she wanted it, she had totally free childcare called crush. It's like a crush system where you can like go and they feed your kids lunch and you know, whatever you, you need, like they, you have this available and it's all over the place, all around the country. I mean, that's amazing, right? Like why that, that would benefit entrepreneurs that would benefit businesses. Like it's actually very pro business stance, like kind of, I think to think about that. So we're, we're getting a little political here, I guess, Raya, but I think that this is a, a political stance. I feel very firmly about as well. Anyway, is totally and, more and, and support for parents. I absolutely agree. And it's not it's not something that has to be any sort of party's agenda, you know, or uh, being one-sided at all. I think this is, you know, I think mothers, regardless of your political beliefs or backgrounds, I think wherever you're living, I think if we really care about women, if we really care about mothers, if we really care about families and kids and their well-being, like we will tackle these issues and we will make sure that they are listened to. And yeah, it's definitely universal. So, okay. So I'm so glad we like put that piece out there because as we start to think about, okay, yes. And we have to accept that maybe we're in a system that is not that supportive. Right. And how can we kind of work with it individually? I think it's important to realize like, yes, you should be PO'd that all this individual pressure is on you. And it's, that's not fair. I think I, I kind of feel you know, I feel some sort of righteous fierceness about that personally. And I think that that's not fair. And, um, but the isolation, but there are some things we do as far as isolating ourselves as parents that we do, we choose, right? Like we, sometimes we choose not to maybe take advantage of services, or we think that we, we, you know, I've seen moms like living in fear of, you know, having, X number of hours away from their kids a week, you know, or, you know, even if it's just a few to, to do that self-care, right? Um, have you seen that as well in, in your work? Absolutely. And what I've noticed is, and even personally, I, I had this fear myself when my daughter was a baby. Um, I was just terrified of somebody else, like watching her, looking over her. And I was somebody outside of, you know, family or people I knew. And it was one of those 
it wasn't an irrational fear because I think, you know, we need to have that level of trust in order to be able to be comfortable, you know, accepting childcare yet we need to know how to go about it. So for example, what I did to overcome that fear is I set up a process. I wrote down interview questions. I created like an application for myself that anytime I, I hired or was looking to hire a babysitter, I asked them these crucial questions. I got their references and I called every single one of them. And that really helped me choose and find people that really cared and that my daughter loved being around. I mean, she was happy whether it was as a baby or toddler playing or, you know, going to a nursery school or preschool, like I would visit, I wouldn't just do the one that was, or go to the one that was closest to home. I would see which one has the best environment which one has the best educators, caregivers who actually care, you know, you can actually see it in their eyes, how they act and interact with the kids. How does my child feel around them? And then you come home after, you know, picking your kid up and you're like, oh, they had a great day. I had a great day. So, so you feel so much better and that fear is gone, but yeah, it will be there if you're just, you know, giving up that childcare for your own self-care or your time to do your own work. If you don't trust where your child is going or the person they're being cared for by. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too good to be true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job. Congratulations. You're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch, and I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Ritual's Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Okay, that's awesome. And and we can, so we can do things. We can, like, I think that's really important to just, and this is a part of the conversation I want to have with you is like, okay, what can we do to get more support in our lives? And so you were talking about that, like getting a, a caregiver, you know, when, when um, one of the first steps I did was I had a mother's helper. So I did things in my studio, in my house, or I went for a walk from my house when my husband was all, you know, we have a situation where we both work from home, which a lot of people now have, but you know, that where this homeschool kid who was great. I think she should run for president Sunday now, but um, uh, you know, she would, I would say here, let me put the ergo on you. And here's my child, go for a walk, have fun. And I'm going to go do whatever I'm going to do around here. So that was like a first step situation that really, really worked for me. And then when, you know, and then when we wanted to kind of do other things. And I, I came back and I was more refreshed. I was less stressed, all those things. So let's walk people through, like you said, you had questions, like what are some things that you did actually ask caregivers that, that mattered and made a difference to you and in your safety level? 
for sure. So one of the questions I would always ask is, have you done this work before? Do you have references? That was number one. Sometimes, you know, some caregivers were, you know, college students or high school students, and they didn't have as much experience, but some of them, they were just very caring people. And, um, I, they did have references. So I get that, but I would always ask, you know, what are your hobbies? And, that to me signifies like, okay, what does this person actually enjoy doing in their downtime? And for me, like something that made me uncomfortable in a couple of, you know, interviews was somebody not having any hobbies at all. And it, that might sound simple, but their, their answer was sort of like, oh, just being on the, like uh, on the computer chatting with my friends or on the phone, that's it. And I wanted oh, yeah. somebody Red flag. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I wanted somebody who wouldn't be on the phone or on the computer on devices all the time. I wanted somebody who could practice presence, who was creative or artistic, who could draw or doodle or scribble. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate, but who would love to play games or go outside. So that to me was, was important to me. Um, a couple of other questions I would ask is, you know, how they felt about, you know, working with kids and, what their major was, if they were studying and if they weren't studying that, that wasn't even, you know, crucial as crucial as, you know, how were they interacting with my child? Cause a lot of times, not all the time, if I, if I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable, but some, a lot of times I had to take my daughter with me to the interviews. So it would just, you know, gauge how she felt, how I felt. And, um, yeah, so just also the questions, it also depends on what your values are and what you want to see. So for example, you might need help with a little bit of housework and, or you might really think that you might have a pool at home and be afraid of your kid drowning. So like somebody with lifeguard certification, CPR certification, I mean, that's always good across the board. So that's, those would be the certifications that I would ask for. Um, but yeah, just asking additional essential questions that would put you at ease and not being afraid to ask them. Yeah, I think those are great. And, and the CPR certification is great and not everybody has that, but then you can say, you know, what would you do? <laughs> what would you do if my child got a boo-boo? What would you do if there was something that was seriously, you know, they're, they were really hurt or something like that. Like, those are all good questions to ask. And you find out a lot about a person from doing those. Um, and I love that you mentioned, like, you need help with housework. And that's something that you can hire for. And it can be sometimes the same person who may be watching your kid. Like you can say, I had a friend who had someone come in watching her kid child. And she, for a little while, had it worked out with her where she would give her like a a gift, a Trader Joe's gift card. And she, she would hire this person to go pick up a bunch of groceries for her at Trader Joe's before she came to come and watch the kids. And she would put all the groceries away and she would get all her grocery shopping done like through this experience. And that's something you can ask for. Like you, you does it, we don't have to be like silently suffering for all the things that, you know, that we hate doing. Like, no, you don't have to do that. Totally. And you, you mentioned that, you know, you know, hiring somebody or like, you know, giving the Trader Joe's card. I actually hired, uh, it was a high school student who was also a babysitter for my daughter and I didn't want to do laundry. Cause I had, I had some studies that I had to do and I had some training I had to go through and I just didn't have time. And I was overwhelmed at that time. And I'm like, are you okay doing the laundry? And she was totally cool with it. She did it, you know, several times. I mean, she didn't only come for uh, doing laundry. She helped out, you know, with childcare too, but there was something that you mentioned earlier too, about, you know, having somebody come to your home, putting the ergo on them, you know, like I did that too. For me, it was really important that I see how they worked in the environment. So even before I felt comfortable going out, I had, you know, the child care provider come to the home and I saw how they interacted. And yeah, so, and a lot of people think, okay, you have to pay a really high amount. You can, if you can afford it and you want to, you know, hire a really high quality nanny, but you can also, you know, hire babysitters who are you know, either starting out or have enough experience. And as long as it's giving you time to either focus on work that you want to focus on, focus on projects that you want to focus on or focus on your self-care, it is totally valid because what you get back from it is 10 times worth the amount that you're paying for that service. And 
it it's just, it can be so, so helpful. Yeah. I mean, I really think if you, dear listener, like if you have kids who are like under school age, right? Like who are not <clears throat> going to school regularly and you're home with them kind of all the time. Like this is, I just want to tell you that this is such an intensive time of your life. Like this is such an intense time. And we kind of go into this thinking, well, this is the new normal. This is how my life is going to be forever now. And I just have to get used to this. Right. But that's not true is not true that your life is going to be like this forever. It's not at all true. Like it radically changes when your kid goes to school and as they get older and more responsible and they can take care of themselves. Now my girls, are 11, 14, like it's so different, you know, as far as the amount of time and space, they have different challenges. I'm glad I'm able to be able to be there for those different challenges that in some ways can be harder. Um, but <clears throat> it's not as intensive as far as like your every second amount of time. So if you have kids who are under school age, like I really recommend like this is the time if you have the means and are able to, to to be able to spend some of your resources to give yourself breathing space because it is so, so intensive and it, it does not last forever. It changes. It is a really intensive time. And for you to get out of the, get through this situation with your feet on the ground, responding to your kids, the way you want to respond to your kids, you know, not losing it. Um, and, and have a, you know, you know, have an intact sense of self and peace and ease and all of that. Like it really is um, an important time, that particular time to, to be able to going beyond self-care to get more support. Did Absolutely. You, yeah, yeah, totally. I've noticed the same thing with my daughter too. Like the school age years are very different from like the toddlerhood, preschool, kindergarten years. And it, things change. Like we, we think we're stuck in, in, in that, you know, we're going to be stuck in that situation where it's going to be a continuous grind. We're going to have to like really find those pockets of time for ourselves. But in reality, what, especially with COVID too, I think whether it's COVID or not though, it should, we should not feel guilty for asking for help for yes. our own self-care. We should be allowed or we should allow ourselves to ask at least, you know, an hour, a couple hours a day, or even, you know, a few hours each day of the weekend, if it's our partner or some, you know, somebody who's living with us, if it's, if it's a family member, if our, uh, if it's a parent or yeah, it, I mean, there's so much value in work that mothers do at home and it is unpaid labor, but it's not valued as much as it should be. And I think that collectively, we need to understand that we all need support and it is okay to ask for it. So it doesn't always have to be paid. It can be, and that is very helpful, but the people around us, we shouldn't feel guilty asking them for that help. Yeah. Or even just stating, stating that like, you know, sometimes I even get frustrated with the word asking, right? Like, like you don't need permission. Your, your, like if you're in a, a heterosexual marriage and you're married to a, a man, you don't need to ask your husband permission to take care of your needs. You know, like sometimes totally. we get into this, these traditional roles, if we're in the role of caretaking and our partner may be in the role of, um, of, of earning income for temp yeah, for a certain time. And we get into this idea of like, almost like permission, like we're asking our father for permission to do something. And I want, I want to pull that out and point that out because if this, if you're like listening to this dear listener and going, oh yeah, like I've been kind of like, that's, that's, that's a red flag that you're not valuing yourself enough. You're not valuing the work, the incredibly important life creating work that you're doing, parenting your child and taking care of your family. And you're not valuing your, your, yourself enough. Nobody, nobody ever said to you when you were a newborn baby, like, oh, this person has to do backbreaking work that, that, that leaves her exhausted before I'm going to love her and value her. No, they, you are intrinsically worthy of breaks, rest, 
and time to yourself. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Exactly. I totally agree. It, it, it matters a lot because I think, you know, falling back into those traditional roles and what we've seen in the past year or two is actually what has happened, unfortunately, because I think in society, like even there's still issues with equal pay. There's still issues with moms having to drop out of the work workforce because there wasn't childcare for their kids, you know, during a global pandemic. I understand that. I get that. I think we all do at the same time. We've realized that, wait, things weren't as modernized as we thought we were put back in these traditional roles, but how do we shift from that and being like, okay, we're in the situation. Yes. As a mom, you know, I may have decided to, you know, spend more time with my kid helping out with, you know, homeschooling or virtual schooling, you know, taking a step back from, you know, my work responsibilities so I can be home and be present. But, you know, for those, you know, with partners, if my partner is present, you know, they may have, to do work online five days a week. I may have to do it, you know, five days a week or three days a week, or maybe we can adjust that, you know, where three days a week, somebody, one of us takes the kids, a kid or kids out to the park and the four days a week, the other person does that. And then switching off, like bringing in like more equality to the relationship, bringing in more equality to the support, because yes, you know, one partner may not may or may not be bringing an income, but I don't think that is what actually matters. I think taking care of kids in itself is an extremely valuable job. And, you know, what we are teaching our kids, I mean, I think there's even a greater appreciation for teachers and caregivers because we understand the work that is required to raise tiny humans. So yeah, it, it, it matters a lot and it is, we should not have to ask for permission, but we do have to communicate. We have to be like with our support system, whether it's our friends or our partner, look, I'm burnt out or look, I'm, I'm really tired. I really need X amount of hours per day, or I need these time blocks on the weekend to focus on my fitness, my health, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, Roya, have had to take some of this time to take care of yourself because you have been dealing with chronic pain, right? Like, so tell me a little bit about that, how you've been in this process of healing from pain as a parent. And I mean, it's particularly interesting to me, actually, I I should tell you right now, because 
I mean, yesterday, I, as of recording this, I was at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia with my 14-year-old daughter who's uh, been diagnosed with AMPS, which is Amplified Musculoskeletal Pain Syndrome. And it's really heartbreaking for me to know, and I've known for a while now that she feels pain kind of all the time right now. She has, we have hope now of this not being a chronic, you know, um, situation that she could maybe heal from in as little as three months that I feel really hopeful about. But um, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you that I'm, uh, it's, it's very personal to me, this kind of understanding of uh, this idea of living with pain right now. So but tell me about your experience. Yeah. Yeah. As for my personal experience. So when the pandemic hit, I, prior to that, I had been going to the gym several days a week and I believe it was a prior injury due like lifting heavy luggage stuff. I shouldn't have been lifting, but it was sort of masked because I was working out, strengthening my muscles, making sure I was healthy. The pandemic hit gyms closed. I stopped going. I stopped, I started sitting a lot and I noticed over time, like this nagging pain in my lower back kept increasing. And it wasn't just like your common, like, you know, mild chronic back pain. It started increasing so much to a point where I couldn't get out of bed. Like it was difficult to get up. And, um, there were some days where I was like, I have no idea what's going on with my body. I need to call my doctor. I need to ask, you know, what's going on. And they sort of brushed it off as, Oh, it's just, you know, an issue with your muscle. You might've pulled a muscle in your back, just, you know, do yoga or work out, you know, gently. And I'm just like, okay. So I tried all those methods. I did massage therapy. I even did physiotherapy and it was still getting progressively worse. I started even like walking with a trucking pole or two, you know, just to get out of that, like, and to get the support I needed. But my mentality at that point was, okay, I'm going to, take this opportunity during the pandemic to focus on like my digital work. And I was working online at the computer for hours, but I realized I was laying down in a bed, lying down with my laptop on my stomach and working oh. like that, just trying to oh. grind and hustle. Oof, that Horrible. sounds like a bad position for the back. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was, I was icing it. I was doing, I was trying to do all the right things, but that the working and focusing on, you know, my work online was like, it was counterproductive. It's, it was like, my body was telling me, Roya, stop. You need to focus on me right now on yourself and heal this before you do anything else. And it got to a point where it was so painful that I decided, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And long story short, I finally went for an MRI and I, and I actually you know, asked for it because they were saying, Oh, you know, a woman your age shouldn't require an MRI. It's probably nothing. Uh, if you have sensation in your limbs, it should be okay. But just like, it's not okay. So they found out it was a herniated disc mm. and for herniated discs, like the option is either surgery or, um, physiotherapy. And I wanted to go the no surgery physiotherapy route. I thought that was best for me. And I started researching online people who had done this before. And I actually found images, MRI images and studies of people who've healed completely on their own um, through physiotherapy. But I'm like, okay, what do I have to do to reach that point? I realized anytime I lifted something heavy, even like groceries or heavy objects or like bending down a certain way, it would exacerbate the issue. So I just told myself, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to sit for long periods. I'm not going on any travels or trips. Well, couldn't really anyway. Um, but even long car rides or even sitting at my desk, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I just eliminated a lot of these things that I was doing before. And I started a physiotherapy program, but since I knew what was wrong, I could actually tackle the pain point and actually solve the issue and avoid positions, even, you know, yoga positions that I shouldn't be doing and focus on the yoga movements or the movement therapy program that I should be doing. And I've gotten to a point where I'm almost, almost hundred percent pain-free. I'm still on my healing journey. There's still a few more months to go. Um, but I've read, it takes up to six months and I'm around, I'm around that mark. I'm getting close to it, but it really taught me 
the, the need for me to step back and really focus on what mattered most. Do I want to be grinding and hustling when it's going to increase my pain, make me feel worse? Do I need to listen to my body? It's telling me to stop and take this season, this entire year, this entire next several months to just focus on me, find out the problem, get it diagnosed, and then research the solutions and eliminate things that I shouldn't be doing and focus more on those that I should. And then I think that is the key, one of the keys for a path to healing that actually works. Because if you keep doing what you were doing before, it's it's not going to change anything. It's only going to exacerbate the issue. So what I'm kind of hearing from you is this awareness, right? Like you have to be able to st- not be so busy that you can like look and see what are the messages my body is telling me, sending me. And, you know, maybe we can, you know, with enough awareness, we can get to those messages like before it's like terrible. Right. Um, and, and making yourself a priority as, as far as this goes, right. Like, and making your healing a priority. I mean, I think that sometimes it's, it's funny, Roy, because it reminds me of something like sometimes like when I'm in a coaching call with some, a mindful parenting member, and we talk about like kind of circling even back to like getting support, getting help in childcare. And I'm talking to somebody who's like overwhelmed. And I say, imagine that you had a, like a doctor who said that you have this terrible disease. And if you, you know, you have to find some way to get some breaks from your child, like say three hours of breaks a week, you know, or this is this terrible disease is going to happen. Like, it's almost like the mindset we need is to say like this to kind of look, look and say, you know, this, this self-care, this support, this, these things that I need, they're, they're the things that are allowing me to do everything in my life. Like they are the foundation, right. For everything, right. Your sleep, your health, your body, your mind, all of that is the foundation for everything. And it's all going to collapse into overwhelm. If, if you're not like, you're not paying attention with awareness and you're not prioritizing it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Because you do need to prioritize your, your health, your body, and just like listening to those signals. And I love that you, you have them focus on, you know, those three hours that you need are prioritizing yourself because, you know, things will get worse because they do get worse. We know with stress, I mean, stress itself can cause disease unnecessarily stress itself can cause all sorts of ailments, lack of sleep, which a lot of parents experience is not healthy for the body, but it's crazy. Like they're really linking it to Alzheimer's now. So if you don't want to yeah. have dementia as a, you know what I mean? Like they're really, because the brain apparently is like cleansing itself. Like it, it's get, it gets flooded with fluid and like, there's like a plaque that gets cleansed. Like as you sleep, like that the brain cleanses itself. And if you don't sleep enough, you're not, it's like this buildup of gross like stuff in your brain that is prevent, you know, that has all these, yeah. Like something like 40% of people in the U S are sleep. Sorry, just want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you bring up a really valid point. It can create those issues. And I I had to tell myself that, you know, multiple times where I need to get back on track with my sleep. And I noticed when I did, when I stopped watching, you know, the Netflix shows at night and stopped working on the computer till like, you know, uh, late hours uh, in the evening, I realized I was well, more well rested. But I also get the point of like, okay, not having enough time to yourself during the day and needing those few hours just to veg out and then watch something. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this maybe two to three nights on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the the weeknights, I really need to focus on my health and well-being. So yeah. So to get sleep, that's what we need to do. We need to like prioritize it. It, it matters so much. Mm. All right. So it- are, are we missing any creative ways to get support? You know, we're saying like, girlfriend, <laughs> it's worth it to hire a, a care for your child. Like, I totally believe that. I think it's really incredibly valuable. Like at one point, like, um, and, and this 
what I'm saying comes from a place of like privilege that my husband got a, a 3% raise at his job. And he, we were like, how are we going to use that? And he's like, let's hire more, like, let's get a babysitter more often. That's what makes us happier. Right. Because it was in that very intensive time when we need breaks. And I know that comes from a place of the privilege of having that, like, we're not working three jobs, but have we neglected any other like creative ways to get care and to get that support in our lives? I think, I think what you mentioned is very helpful. I think there are various options for like various budgets. So not everybody can, for example, afford like a nanny, but like most people can afford a babysitter. Not everybody can send their child to daycare for five days a week, but maybe a couple days, it might be doable for some. So it's looking at your budget, seeing what's, what's possible. I think it's also, uh, like we discussed earlier, getting support from our spouses, partners, friends, anybody who can offer that, but also, you know, figuring out ways where we can also find time for ourselves through like evaluating how we're using it. Like, how are we using our hours in the evening? How are we using our hours in the morning, you know, throughout the day? And understanding, you know, sometimes, sometimes it is spending that time with our kids. One actual creative way that I found is doing something I love with my kid is actually also a form of self-care. So my daughter's old enough to like knit and I've been teaching her how to knit. And it is a very calming activity. Mm. And I noticed that when we do it together, I bought her her own knitting supplies because she was like rummaging through mine, you know, and it would get like all tangled up. And I was just like, and, and we don't do anything fancy or elaborate, you know, just, I only know, you know, the plain knitting threads and options, but it's just really something that's calming to do or coloring books. Like we both love to color. You can be any age and love to fill in you know, coloring books. So I would get like two or three separate coloring books and we'd sit down and do that. And mentally that is a form of de-stressing and self-care. So when you don't have the option to either hire help or the help you have at home is not available during that time, there are ways we can de-stress that involves our kids too. Yeah. I mean, I think what I'm hearing you say is that like your need, regardless of your financial situation, your needs matter. Yeah. You know, and so we can have creative ways to meet your needs. So like you may have a kid that <clears throat> will go, go, go and doesn't want to nap anymore, but you may still have a need for rest after lunch and you can, you can do that, right? Like you can say, I need quiet time. I need rest. I need, I'd like to color and play this quiet music now because I'm needing some quiet time. Right. You know, so we, we tend to just sort of sublimate our own needs a lot of moms sublimate our needs for our kids, but your needs are just as important as your kids' needs. You're absolutely right. Totally. Roya, this is so helpful. Thank you for kind of digging into the nitty gritty of, um, of this, uh, the, you know, the, um, the support, getting the support we need and, um, and, and just kind of thinking about the idea of, how to hire a sitter, the questions, those, that's so valuable and helpful, right? Like we, sometimes we need to just ha have someone help us walk through it, right? Before we realize like, yes, like, yes, you have permission to get support. Yes. It will make you a better parent to get support and to get breaks. It will make you a better person. It'll make you a better parent, a better partner when you have breaks. I mean, I, that's what I think. I don't know. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I really love this conversation and I wish I had heard, you know, some other moms talking about this when I first, you know, had my daughter, but I think it's something that we can, you know, discuss and put out there, you know, based on our own personal experiences, helping other moms who are going through a similar situation and just knowing that they're understood they're enough as they are. And we do, we can give ourselves that permission. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And if you need someone else to give it, I give you permission. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I give you permission to get, get support. Um, 
Roya, it's been so lovely talking to you. Uh, and Roya is a doula and web designer, and she has a wonderful podcast called The Insider Mom. So where can people find out more about what you're doing, Roya? Sure. Um, if they'd like to check it out, uh, I'm on Instagram at The Insider Mom, Facebook at The Insider Mom, or InsiderMom.com. Awesome. And, uh, and you can hear our conversation there about mindful parenting. So thank yeah. you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast, Raya. And I really, really appreciate you doing this with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Hunter. It was a pleasure. I feel like this conversation is so important. You know, we've been brainwashed to think that we should be doing this by ourselves. And that's complete BS. This is not how humans evolved and we absolutely need support. So I hope that this episode has inspired you to want to get some more support in your life for your parenting by hook or by crook. You know, just remember, like a lot of us, we mistakenly think that the, you know, when our kids, when we have a couple of kids and it's crazy and, you know, we just think, oh my God, it's going to be always be like this. But the truth is that those earlier years when your kids before kindergarten, they are time-wise the most intensive years. And that is absolutely when it really, really makes sense to get support. And hey, listen, if you appreciate this episode, I would love to hear your takeaways. Are you gonna get some help? Let me know at Instagram, at mentor. tag me. Let me know, take a screenshot of this episode, share it around, let me know. My friend, I am so glad you are here today. I'm so glad we got to share this time. I hope it's been helpful. And of course, I will be back here talking to you again next week with another powerful episode. Next week, we are going to be doing an awesome on-air coaching call about ignoring my questions. So if that's something you deal with, definitely be around when this drops on Tuesday. And I can't wait to connect with you then. Thank you so much for listening today. Namaste. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unstick